Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's get an NBA update and insight uh, from a guy who covers it on a day-in, day-out basis, does a great job for NBA.com. Sean Powell jumps aboard here on CBS Sports Radio. Sean, been a minute. How you been? Jody Mack, I'm doing good, my man. Good. Appreciate much of coming on tonight. Like I mentioned, most teams under the 12-game mark, some slightly above, some slightly below. Uh, so we're down to the final stages of the season. Other than jockeying for playoff position, what are teams really trying to achieve? There are teams that know they're going to be in the playoffs and just don't know where they're going to finish standings-wise and who they're going to match up against. But what are teams trying to achieve here in the last 10 to 12 games of a regular season? Well, the first thing is to stay healthy. Uh, keep, you know, your important players um, away from, you know, any kind of pitfall or anything like that. And then the second thing is to try to figure out what is going to be your playoff rotation. Um, you know, you just want to make sure that you have the right people in the right place. As you know, in the playoffs, the rotations, uh, rotations shorten a little bit. You're not playing 10 guys. You know, you're playing eight. Some nights you're just playing playing seven and a half. Maybe that eighth player only sees like, you know, eight, nine minutes a game. So you really just want to tighten up the rotations, make sure your, your key players are healthy, and then basically just see what your matchups are going to be in the first round. And the matchups are going to be all important, and the matchups are well to be determined in the Eastern Conference. Right now Miami's opened up a little, little distance between themselves and the field. Philly's only two games back in the loss column, but three overall with Milwaukee, Boston at four, Chicago at five and a half, Cavaliers in six. So the difference between two and six right now is only three games. A bad week, and you could fall pretty precipitously in the Eastern Conference. Is this going to come down to the last handful of games? I know teams always like to have a little ability to, as you say, protect their players, maybe get them a little rest before the hard-push playoffs. That's not happening in the East this year, is it? Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, uh, if you have a bad week, all of a sudden you can go from second to fourth or first, third in a hurry. Uh, But the one thing about the East this year is that it's really deep. So it may not matter 
whether or not you're first or second or third. As a matter of fact, you're looking down towards that eighth spot, and they've got the Brooklyn Nets sitting there. And if for, in a best-case scenario, they get Ben Simmons back and the, uh, you know, the mandate is uh, lifted in New York, you know, if you're the first-place team, you're Miami or maybe Philadelphia or Milwaukee, you got a first-round matchup with uh, KD in that game. I mean, you probably would rather finish second or third, right? That there could be some jockeying for position for specific matchups. But let me ask you a direct question. I don't know the answer. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but I'll put it to you uh, that you mentioned. If the uh, COVID mandate is lifted in New York, it's Kyrie Irving targeted for darn sure, uh, and I think it's actually pretty ludicrous. I'm not making an overall statement on New York mandates uh, about how they're handling COVID, but you can sit on the bench. Other players from other teams who haven't gotten a vaccination can come in and play and work in New York, but Kyrie Irving can't. I think it's actually uh, rather unfair. But that aside, I've been waiting for two months now. New York's going to lift the mandate. New York's going to lift. Kyrie's going to be able to play home games. We're now down to 10 games to go, and it's still in place. What's the latest you've heard? Are you just going to continue to tell me, oh, any day now that mandate's going to be lifted? Uh, when is it going to be lifted? Yeah, nobody knows, and you know it's a it's a really a sensitive situation because you know you know New York had to shut down and had so much upheaval over this. You know, businesses had to close because they weren't making any money. Uh, you know, uh, employees had to work from home and everything. And to to appear to play favorites, you know, for a basketball player would be you know it's just a bad look. Now look. You know, if the Nets were really wanted to get bold about this, there's no mandate in New Jersey, if, if I recall. So how about going over and playing your home games in Newark? And then and Kyrie can play. Uh, if that's the case, if, you know, if New Jersey doesn't have the same situation, I don't know if the NBA would allow it. Right. But, yeah, I mean, if Brooklyn really wanted to, you know, try to play hardball, they could do that, take all that business away from Brooklyn. Oh, a, 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 a well-founded rumor from a top NBA information guy like, oh, I don't know, Sean Powell, that the Nets are investigating the availability of the Barclays uh, and if the NBA's opinion on if they were to play. Maybe something along those lines just to get the politicians that are controlling this in New York could cause a little bit of an uproar. I'm, I'm just spitballing here, so don't take anything yeah. I say with uh, too much credence, but I'm just uh, throwing something out there. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be crazy? I mean, seriously. First of all, I think the Nets fans will probably be in for it because they want to see Kyrie play. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the bottom line is Kyrie can just end all this and get shot, but we're, we're beyond that at this point. But what if the Nets threatened to play their home games uh, go back to New Jersey and play right. their home games, or even I, I, I believe you can play at the Islanders, uh, you know, new arena or something like that. Because it's only a New York City mandate, right? Correct. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, suppose the Nets tried to play that game, you know, <laughs> and take all that business away from Brooklyn, all those businesses around the Barclays Center and everything. What? That would be insane. But that would be a power play. I don't know if the NBA would go along with it. But that would be a power play if they really want to win this championship or at least put themselves in the hunt. 
Well, the word lobbying comes into play often when you're talking about a political stance or statement or edict. So uh, would not be surprised if some lobbying like that happening more along the lines of threat. But we'll call it lobbying because we're trying to keep this above board. All right. Uh, again, a little bit of a more deep dive in the Eastern Conference. Uh, if the Nets get in, yes, they're a major danger, but they need to get in first, and they need to have Kyrie's services. They are staying above 500, and we know they're going to be in the play-in round, but uh, how tough an opponent they're going to be. Oh, by the way, there are no easy touches in the Eastern Conference. You can avoid the Nets, that's fine. So you're buying into the Cavs instead, who continue to win and are well above 500. And the Celtics, who have been one of the hotter teams for the last two months in the season. I get it that the Nets, because they have the two superstars in Durant and Kyrie, supposedly a third with Ben Simmons, but that's looking more and more likely on a day-in, day-out basis that he's going to be back ready to go for the playoffs. Who is the team that the top squads, and I'll put Miami, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee in that threesome, who should they be trying to uh, avoid if they can? Are the Nets your number one team, or are there other teams that should be in that same conversation with the Nets? Well, you know, the Boston Celtics have just been insane since uh, really the calendar year flipped. January 1st, you know, they've, uh, Jason Tatum is playing like uh, he's probably going to finish top five in the MVP voting at this rate yep. because he's elevated his play so much. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart are playing really good defense. They, Robert Williams. Uh, I mean, they've really got themselves together after an early shakeup. You know, in November, they were looking, eh, Kind of disappointing, and people wonder whether they're going to trade uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, but they kept him, and the cohesion of this team right now is just amazing. They're if, if they're not the hottest team in the NBA, they're number two with a bullet, and so that's a team that is kind of scary right now. And, and again, they probably where they're at right now, you know, right around that fourth spot. If they finish there, they'll just see the Chicago Bulls or Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round. But that second-round matchup, when they got to see Philadelphia or Milwaukee or Miami, uh, that's not going to be an easy game for those that top, uh, the top three teams in the, uh, in the East if they have to see the Celtics in the second round. All right. Uh, we're talking to Sean Powell from NBA.com here on CBS Sports Radio. Right, before we go over to the West, because I want to break that conference down too, I do have an individual player conversation question for you. LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving – Kevin Durant, uh, uh, LeBron uh, again, have all hung a 50 spot this year. And then to up that, Carl Anthony Towns and Kyrie Irving went for 60. Shoot, even Sadiq Bey got a 50-point game in. Uh, I remember growing up as a kid, and it was long before you and most of my listeners as well, where I would say, wow, a guy got 30 points last night. 30 is now uh, every single night in the NBA. 40 is not outrageous, but 50 is still a pretty big number, and we're seeing more 50-point numbers, it seems to me, like we're used to. And 60, to get two 60s, I saw this. I'm sure you saw the stat. Let me repeat it for the listeners. Last week, uh, back-to-back nights, Cat went for 60, and Kyrie went for 60. So you get back-to-back 60-point nights in the NBA. you got to go back into the 60s. And the uh, two guys to do it were one guy. Will Chamberlain went for 50, 60 points on back-to-back nights. I think it was 1962, as a matter of fact. Uh, so we're seeing these outrageous individual scoring numbers being put up. Anything you draw from that? 
I just think it's a quirk. Um, to, not necessarily that there are players putting up 50 points. It's just that they're happening uh, so, you know, frequently. Uh, and this close, you know, bit of the, bit of the schedule, so close together. Uh, that's probably the most uh, surprising thing about it. But there are a couple things you got to keep in mind. Number one, the three-point shot wasn't as prevalent you know, 10, 15 years ago as it is now. That's true. Uh, so that's helped. Uh, teams now just jacking up three-pointers. So, you know, if, if you're hot in three-point range, those points can add up in a hurry. The other thing is that, you know, again, uh, 15, 10, 15 years ago, I mean, you had, hand, you had hand checking. And you don't have that now. So a guy comes down the lane, you know, if you make contact, he's going to the line. Those are free points. So the fact that you can hit more three-pointers, or they're taking more three-pointers than ever before, and also the fact that you can't get physical with players who are coming down the lane, uh, that bodes well for the, the offensive player. That's why you see, you know, scoring, uh, team scoring is up, uh, and, and you, you know, at least I do, and maybe some other, uh, you know, old-timers will, you know, who knew the game back in the 80s, you know, when you saw Kurt Rambis, you know, clotheslining, uh, I mean, Kevin McHale clotheslining Kurt Rambis, and, you know, you just saw physical play, uh, you, you can't touch anyone uh, in today's game. Now, again, that's opened the floor, and, that, and that's caused, you know, some of the scoring outbursts you see. But at the same time, you're not, you know, you're not seeing many good, solid defensive stands, defensive games. That is uh, a new NBA, and that's what we're talking about with Sean Powell here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, uh, another individual question. Uh, LeBron last night moves to number two on the all-time NBA scoring list, passing the mailman Carl Malone, and he's 1,400 and change points behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was asked about it last night, and he said he's not even thinking about it. That's not something that he uh, will bring into his mind, and he'll just continue to play and hopefully get the Lakers into a play-in round. Major disappointment, but uh, good for him. He's got his head screwed on straight. How much is that going to mean to LeBron's legacy? By the middle of next year, he should be able to pass Kareem, and we know he's going to at least next year and probably five more after that. Uh, how big a deal is this for LeBron that he's going to be the NBA's all-time leading scorer? Well, I think it's a huge uh, big deal, if, that, if I can say huge big. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, he, when his career is over, and by the way, I mean, the way he's playing right now, he can play another couple of years at such a high level. I mean, he's going to rank uh, the, the game's all-time leading score in what, number three or four in assists, uh, the way he's going? Uh, that is phenomenal. I mean, just to use a hockey uh, uh, comparison, you know, Wayne Gretzky used to, you know, had the all-time you know, goal-scoring lead, and he also was like, what, number one, number two in assists. So, I mean, that's greatness. Uh, I will say, however, just to keep it in context, and this is not to diminish at all what LeBron James is doing, uh, Kareem had to play four years in college. He didn't go directly from high school to the NBA the way LeBron did. Now, let's suppose Kareem at Power Memorial High School, he was by far the best high school player and probably better than most uh, college players at that point and some NBA players. 
if he was able to go directly from high school to the NBA, so you tack on four prime years for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, because when he came in the NBA, he was, you know, right, right off the bat, one of the top three players uh, as a rookie. So if you add four years, four prime years to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's total, I'm not sure LeBron James is touching him. Right, uh, but the game has changed, much like with the three-point line and the rules as to when you can check into the NBA. Uh, number of seasons should count in determining this, uh, so we'll see how it uh, continues on with LeBron. All right, out west, Phoenix is run away and hid up by nine games. A lot of jockeying for the other positions in the west, including the T-Wolves now within a half a game of getting out of the play-in round. Uh, the Denver Nuggets could fall into that mix, into the play-in round. How big a deal is that, the difference between being sixth and seventh and having to play your way in? Well, it's a big deal because you just never know what could happen in a play-in situation. I mean, you have a bad night. Now, you would have another chance if you lost your first game. If, you, if, you, if you're the number seven team in the play-in situation, you have to lose twice to be eliminated. But right. Still, you don't want to put yourself in that in that sort of position. Uh, you want to be able to get into that, stay into that protected six, and not worry about it. Each time you have to play a game, that's just one more chance of something going wrong. A player could get injured, bad bounce of the ball, another team gets hot. You just never know. It's like the NCAA tournament. So, you know, you just want to avoid that at all costs. I think with Denver, first of all, for Milwaukee, uh, for Minnesota, they're finishing the top six. That would mean uh, a lot to that franchise, given you know that they really have had such a long, dry spell since Kevin Garnett left. And I know they've made the playoffs before, uh, since then, but still, it just shows you how frigid, you know, temperature-wise and otherwise, it has been for Minnesota for a long time. And as far as Denver, uh, you know, you know, I think with them, it's just really the waiting game. You know, uh, when is Jamal Murray coming back? You know, what about uh, Michael Porter Jr.? Are those two guys going to come back during a regular season? If so, I kind of like Denver's chances of staying in the top six. If not, you just never know. I mean, you know, Jokic has carried that team all year. He may have to carry that team all the way to the last regular season game. All right. Speaking of Jokic, he is the reigning defending MVP in the league. Who's sitting atop it right now? Can it flip and flop during these last 12 games? I've had him beat as the lead dog for the better part of two months now, but I've never handed him the trophy just yet. Who's still in the running for MVP? I really think it comes down to three players. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who, a two-time winner, who is, you can put his stats and impact right up with those other two. Um, I mean, they're all different players, obviously, but they're all having the same impact and importance for their teams. Uh, Embiid has really had to work all season without Ben Simmons and really has only had James Harden for a handful of games. So, uh, obviously, what he's done with Philadelphia and in a tougher conference, by the way, uh, I think that bodes well. But then you look at Jokic. I mean, I would have to say they're really, from a, from a statistical standpoint, for sure, no player has meant more to his team than Jokic has meant to the Denver Nuggets. He's their leading scorer, rebounder, assists, steals, blocks. I mean, what am I missing here? Uh, you know, that, that's a lot. And he, his team has roughly the same amount of, of wins as uh, Joel Embiid's team in Philadelphia and Giannis's team in Milwaukee. So uh, I would have to say it's a very close call. 
Uh, it's going to go down to the to the wire, and they're going to have to run through the tape to try to figure out who's going to be the winner here. <laughs> but I think Jokic right now is leading by nose. You think Jokic has got to lead in front of Embiid? By a nose. Okay, by a nose. By a nose. All right. Uh, they faced they faced off just a couple of days ago, and both of them played well. I thought Embiid played a little bit better, and I think his defense is the difference. You're right. Jokic checks all the boxes, and Embiid doesn't check them all on the offensive end, but uh, he is the, the superior defender. Uh, and if it's Giannis against Embiid, uh, we do have a game coming up Tuesday, March 29th, the last time the Bucks and the Sixers play, and that one's in Philadelphia. That might be a showdown for the MVP as well. Uh, Shorty, we only got a couple of weeks left to the regular season. Enjoy. I think it's going to be a great playoff year. I'll get you back on when the playoffs start. Thanks, bud. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 